I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat It's a cool show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Sopranos Season 2. Damask Leary, how are you doing? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I finished Medical Police last night and it was giving was me it, the sorry? giggles. Medical Police. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Is this by Children's Hospital? The yeah. Same people? Which yeah. Which I also loved. Um, How long are the episodes of um, Medical Police? 20 minutes. Okay. It's oh, so like a standard sitcom. It's hilarious. Like, cool. It really, it's, yeah, my sense of humor to a T. It's very silly. I love it. Very nice. That's on Netflix? It is available on Netflix. Yeah. Very cool. I got nothing to report. I am cool. boring. I've, I've been always working, said that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're a straight man in this studio, don't you? I'm watching a lot of the tennis. That's what's happening. Yeah, Australian that is Open's boring. Right. Open currently. I love me some tennis. And uh, Ozzy's doing all right at the moment. Nick Kyrgios being less of a dick than usual. That's nice. Cool. But no one is here to listen to the tennis. No. Let's get straight into our spoiler-free review of The Sopranos Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Sopranos Season 2 picks up with what a montage seems to suggest is about a year after we last checked in as old friends and family re-enter Tony's generally good situation. The main cast are joined by new faces David Prevol, Ada Turturro, Louis Lombardi, Federico Castelluccio, Sophia Milos, and John Favreau, I know that one, playing... John Favreau. Anything <laughs> but the most basic Anglo-Saxon name. You just can't handle it. Season two. Ridiculous. Consists of 13 episodes, each coming in around 51 minutes. It took us approximately 11 hours and five minutes to watch. Before we get to our review of season two, we have to remind our listeners what we thought of season one. Damask, what did you think of The Sopranos season one? Um, I think I was genuinely surprised with how much I liked it. I think while everyone says surprise is something that you need to watch, and I did want to watch it just to say that I'd watched it. Just to say that you'd yeah, watch it. You, you no know. real curiosity there. Just wanted to tick that one off the list. I mean, pretty much. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it and was kind of surprised at my own enjoyment level. I mean, I was surprised at your enjoyment level. You gave it five out of five season one. I did. That's in, that's an incredible score. Thank you. I was, <laughs> I was also surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Mm. It was different to what I thought it was going to be mm. in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't quite your height level. Mm. I gave it four out of five stars. So, with that in mind, Damas, could you please give us your spoiler-free review for The Sopranos Season 2? Why not? 
All right, so when I started season two of The Sopranos, I had just finished watching season one of Euphoria, which I really enjoyed. Euphoria is a good example of what HBO has become since Sopranos and Sex and the City cemented the network as a place for stories that pushed boundaries and redefined audience expectation of long-form narratives. Euphoria is beautifully shot, fast-paced with well-crafted scripts that contain nice character work. This is Sopranos reviews. I know, don't interrupt me. (laughs) I was making a point at the end of that, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, And that's just the network's example of a teen drama. Mm -hmm. HBO continues to create shows of a high caliber across countless genres. And so, immediately going back to a show that started it all was very interesting. Now, while it was interesting to dive back into David Chase's foundation piece, let me tell you, it can be hard to look back. You got to make the adjustment and it's not always easy. There are plenty of things here that if they were in a modern show would be considered not good. For one, the music editing can be atrocious at times, good lord. But once the adjustment is made, Sopranos continues to satisfy. Now the show is slow. Good god, is it slow. Many times I finished an episode and thought, hmm, nothing really happened. (laughs) And yet I'd start the next. But with every millimetre the characters would move, I became entrenched in the apathy, the malaise and the monotony. This show feels somewhat hypnotic. For the most part, I didn't feel put off or frustrated by the microscopic narrative movements because the characters are so lived in. I'm happy to watch this bizarre reality. Now, Tony never sees anyone fully this season and we explore that a little. His perspective is so very often skewed by his self-interest. No matter the action, he's always justified that he's doing it for the survival of his family. Or, you know, his family. Was that a good... That was beautiful. Yeah, was that offensive in Not any Not offensive way? at cool. all, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but as the patriarch, he receives all of the benefits of those actions. And we see the trail of destruction left behind him as he smiles over his kingdom, completely ignoring the suffering of his people. And this season, while definitely good, does have the growing pains of a second season. We see the show growing and moving into something a little different than the first, which is good and exciting, but you can feel it a little bit. What are your thoughts, Brod? Quite similar. I uh, <clears throat> Shocking. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Who would have thought that we would have a similar <laughs> opinion on things? I, I definitely felt this season was a step down yeah. for a number of reasons. And I want to start by giving a minor spoiler. I'm not going to be specific, but it does just help to give some context to this. Mm. But I realized how much the sessions between Tony and Dr. Melfi really keep me engaged mm. in episode. Absolutely. It's scenes I look forward to. And there are a number of episodes this season where those two characters are not interacting, particularly in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like, and I, I, yeah, it felt like a key ingredient was missing from this cake that is mm-hmm. The Sopranos. And I felt that. And a couple of episodes into this season, I was having a rough time to the point where Liam came on and, and did season one with this as a review. Mm. And he got two episodes in and went, I'm actually not going to do this with you guys. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, okay. So, he stepped right out. Now, that yeah. was an overreaction, I think. Um, because there is a lot to like about this season. I think Tony in particular as a character is remains the worthy focus of this show. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not always convinced that the characters around him are as interesting or as going through as mm. much or I'm enjoying their stories or feeling like they're growing. It's I'm surprised by how often I feel like things are repetitive or basic or just insufficiently fleshed out. Sometimes things are said early and by the end of it, 
I still feel exactly the same way. I'm like, I don't really know what I learnt here about this character mm-hmm. or the inclusion of this person or this storyline. Um, if last season was about mother and son, this season is more about the sins of the parents and how those pass down through the next generation now that Tony is the head of the household, so to speak. Mm. And I definitely enjoy that side of things. Um but as much as I suggested that The Sopranos last season was more of a family drama slash sitcom, and I still think that's true, I don't know if they did a whole lot with it this season. And that's what you're talking about, growing pains, I think. Um, some of the characters that were most fascinating last season and most integral were pushed to the sidelines in a big way. Mm. And I understand they might be trying to tell a different story or move things forward in a direction, but I also felt like there was missed opportunities or, again, it was missing some key ingredient that got me excited the first time around. Um, some of the ones that are introduced, for instance, I'm not sure I understood what their overall purpose or inclusion was there for. Mm-hmm. They felt very unsatisfying in terms of what they added to the story and then ultimately where their stories ended up. I was like, okay, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Or was that a worthy part of this show? Is this where we should have been at this point in the story? Um, for instance, I did say this a little bit earlier, I think a big problem is I have had this initial reading on one of the characters that came into this season that didn't really evolve over the course of the show. Um, He's introduced early on um, in a storyline that sets up where they are, who they are, every scene after that supports that, and then by the end of it, they're just sort of that character. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. We -hmm. did that, I guess. I'm left just sort of shrugging and, and feeling empty or not so satisfied by that. And I do wonder, though, how much of what I'm talking about is a symptom of return to this 20 years later. As you said, you look back on, mm. you look at HBO shows now and you see the foundations of what The Sopranos built on and that this show was figuring it out and it hasn't quite got it yet. And even just as a season two, season two, second seasons are often messy or have those growing pains. But also where I'm watching this in a way that was never intended to be watched. Mm. It was meant to be watched week on, week off. Yeah. Not watch it, binge it all inside a week. It This was a point in television. You didn't go and even rent out the VHSs necessarily from a VHS store. You watch this on HBO, appointment television every week, mm-hmm. and you came back a week later and watched the next one over the course of three or four months. We're watching this condensed, and I feel like that is definitely getting in the way of maybe how I'm enjoying the show or 100%. appreciating it wrong. Yeah. And I, I want to put that out there that I understand that. Mm-hmm. Does it change my feelings? Not necessarily. But um, but I can definitely look at that and go, well, that is problematic because it is not designed, was never intended to be viewed this way mm-hmm. um, and in this context. So that's sort of my feelings. I still think the show is great. I think it's very, very well written. I think um, James Gandolfini is brilliant in mm-hmm. this show. And there's a lot of parts of the show that I still really enjoy. But I did feel like this season was like, okay, if we're going to keep going in this storyline. I want it to evolve a bit more or it needs to find another gear because I felt like we were sort of spinning our wheels or not really moving. Uh, With that in mind, what was your score out of five? Yeah, so it's definitely below... The five stars you gave it last time. First season, obviously. Um, Yeah, and I definitely think... Yeah, the growing pains are such... It's still good. I still enjoyed it, but I think I'm going to have to give it a 3.5. That's a one and a half... Yeah, Star step down. I still down. enjoyed it, but I wasn't like, oh, okay. I think this is the one where like, well, if this is as good as it gets, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being one of the best shows on television. Sure. So it's still a good season of television, um, but I feel like 
season one was so beautifully formed and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed myself. I'm like, oh, I can see how this is the beginning of something great. Totally. Um, but this is definitely a step down. So I think 3.5 is solid for me. Yeah. I'm giving you 3.5 as well, which is only half a star step down from where I was. Mm. With, with that in mind, do you, do you still stand by the five star? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I really like season one. Yep. Um, I wonder also, is this a situation where the, the first season maybe felt more complete or more whole because it was originally intended to be a movie? Yeah. And maybe I mean, it, there wasn't a whole lot of looking forward as to what the next season or the, the future of the show would be at that time. Mm. And it just feels like because there was always this concrete idea around Tony and his mother in the first season, that that is so solid and such a solid mm. foundation, it was just easy to make that work. Yeah, and I, I think that it has something to do with the fact that while the premise is around this kind of mafioso family, mm-hmm. um, that this season is trying to figure out its own balance of that plus the story that they really want to tell that is separate from that. Well, that is an aspect yeah. of it. They really, I think, are trying to figure out how to make this show a character study mm-hmm. um, and about not only Tony but those around him. And I think this is a great step forward in making it a further character study of Tony. I think it's less successful when we're talking about the secondary characters. Yes. Um, yes. But I think yeah, they're just trying to figure out that balance. And so, yeah, there's certainly... Yeah, I'm given, moments. I'm given some um, hope. I went after finishing this season, I was like, how do people rate this season? Like, mm. what is it considered? First of all, there's no consensus yeah. on what's the best <laughs> and the worst seasons of Sopranos. Not yeah. even close. Um, and like the first list I saw, this was like their number one or number two season. I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's, that's a worry. Yeah. But most seasons, most lists I saw after that were putting it like, Second last, third last on the mm. list. I'm like, okay, that feels about right to me. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, I'm looking forward still to what's to come. Mm. With those this lists, is a high point. all those articles, what time period were they written? Uh, yeah, varied. Very, yeah. definitely varied. And that, as we said, obviously plays into this as well. And that's something I really want to put out there. That I'm very self-conscious of that. I'm sure there are people who maybe even came to it late like we are mm. or watched the time who absolutely adore this show and they're sitting here going, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. How do you not love this? This is so good. Mm. And I don't think you're wrong. I really, really don't. Mm. I think um, this is always all this stuff is always subjective, but this is particularly so. Just in terms of how what we are used to in terms of the TV we watch, mm. all of the TV that's been built on top of this since then has either run with that ball and taken it further or perfected what this has started. Um, there's just so much. And also, there's such a legacy and such a prestige around this show. The expectations are just high already. It's, yeah. It's just it's, so difficult. And I think um, some people, it's kind of when you have an entity that is so beloved that people identify with it and they identify as being a huge fan of the show and that is really important to them. Um, I'm thinking not as certainly definitely not as toxic, but like people who really identify with Star Wars and Mm -hmm. like that's their thing. So there is a worry about like people who like have their staunch opinions and will probably have been a fan of the show since it began. And so see their opinions as right. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they are obviously can feel that way, yeah, like you said, we're coming from a different perspective. I don't – well, I know that The Sopranos is, you know, known as like one of the best shows ever created. 
Um, I don't I don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that yet. I love the first season. This season was definitely a step down. It's the same when we watched Breaking Bad. Totally. And I felt the pressure to really like it. And the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't think I really liked it. Yeah. And I see a huge amount of flaws there. Um, but while it was happening, I'm sure it was very exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just a totally different context. And I just have no interest in people who are angry about negative opinions about Sopranos talking to me. I I can imagine the situation being reversed when it comes to like Buffy, mm. right? Which was our Sopranos, basically, you know. Yeah. It was the TV we were watching at an age that was relevant to us mm. as it was doing stuff that other TV wasn't and falling completely in love with it for seven seasons. And like my niece is staying with me at the moment. She's in her second year of high school this year. Is she? Yeah, and she's wow. what yeah, I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> weird. But she's watching um, Sabrina, mm. the Chilean Adventure Sabrina, and like in love with it mm-hmm. and Riverdale and that sort of stuff. And like Sabrina in particular, we've talked about in the past, has got like some very Buffy elements to it. I'm like, oh man, Buffy's on stand now. You might love Buffy. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if you could watch this now. 90 sensibilities, like maybe she would. There's a good chance she just kind of Well, go, the good thing Ill. is like the fashion is now fashionable again. So that's one thing that she doesn't <laughs> have to worry point. about. Because um, I look back and watch and I'm like, fuck, I want to wear that. Um, but yeah, I don't, cause it just cause like graph, it's up. so like special effects heavy and they're so different. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, who knows? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you do enjoy listening to Hunting Seasons, we would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning, from here on we will be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of The Sopranos. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Sopranos up to this point. If you have not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So I alluded to this pretty heavily already, but mm-hmm. I did feel like we got off to a slow start by not having Tony in with Dr. Melfi, particularly at the start of the season. They're just, yeah. she's not seeing him anymore. Mm-hmm. And they spend the entire season examining why Dr. Melfi is so obsessed with Tony, mm-hmm. um, why she keeps, when she does return to seeing him, she feels guilty. She's worried mm. about him. She has these guilt dreams about what not treating him might do to him, mm-hmm. that she's somehow letting him down as a patient. Um and then, yeah, starts to see him again and we spend the rest of the season basically examining why she continues to see him, even though he's obviously such a dangerous person and is having a bad effect on her. Yeah. Um, but boy, did I miss those scenes. It's like as soon as they were back, I was like, oh, this is what I wanted the whole time. It's such an integral part of the show, I thought. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There certainly was. It felt lackluster at mm. the beginning. I'm like, what what's missing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the session started again and I think we do acknowledge it by the end of the season but they felt less this season like less than and it you know Melfi speaks to the fact that she is afraid of Tony and therefore not able or willing to push him sure because she yeah there is fear there yep and that's certainly a factor but even when she was back I felt those scenes weren't as um interesting to me as season ones were. Um, But I think, you know, that speaks to what we were doing this season with Tony kind of settling into being the big boss and Mm -hmm. we're just kind of learning about this new normal that will be what it will be. I'm hoping season three um, will recognise the rhythm that we finally get to at the end of season two and those scenes with Melfi will be a little bit more in depth, will give me a little bit more, I think. So did it just feel I surface hope. level to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, those discussions, and I understand obviously we then go to Melfi's own therapy session. Which I quite enjoyed those actually. Yeah, which were... They were insightful. Yeah, were interesting. I think it was important to understand... Melfi's point of view mm-hmm. and to understand the... So, I'm just imagining season three when we get to see her therapist therapy therapist, sessions yeah. to see how she's dealing with therapy. being... Just every season we just yeah. add a therapist <laughs> into the... Until it's all, it's to the whole episode. It's just therapy session, then that therapist goes to see their therapist and that's the therapist sees their therapist until eventually somehow they come back to talking to Tony and it comes full circle. Yeah. What a show. Amazing. <laughs> I, I look forward to that. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, but yeah, so I just... I. I'm hoping that we needed to get to this point, but unfortunately we just had to get through in season two. Um, I didn't particularly love the journey. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. 
she is hesitant to push him, and mm. so we can't make a lot of progress in there. And even he keeps acknowledging, mind you, he did this in season one mm. too. That's like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Yeah. What are you doing for me? It's blah, not even blah, the blah. progress I want. It's like the actual conversation isn't particularly interesting. I'd say stagnant. Yes, it's like stuck word. on yeah. a on a place we've already been, mm-hmm. and. And I kept wondering, am I feeling that way because I've watched eight trillion shows about toxic masculinity <laughs> and, like, we're talking about how anger is just a cover for sorrow and these things. And mm. I am fascinated with all of those, but it's like I've watched True Detective. I've watched Breaking Bad. I've watched all these other things as well. And it is getting to a point where, yeah, maybe we've those other shows have taken it so much further that sort of slowing it down again is feeling just a little bit stagnant. And that, again, mm. is maybe my fault as a viewer. Yeah. But I also think that it's it could quite possibly be um, purposeful, that feeling of like, well, they're not progressing. Sure. At, which I think, you know, um, Melfi realises as well that she's, while wanting to help him, hasn't been functioning um, as well as she probably should be as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite possible um, that that is the purpose of it, that this scene is meant to feel, you know, as though we are stagnant, as though a crossroads needs to be reached in order for a decision to be made. Um, There is also the obvious inclusion of Melfi now drinking whenever she's in session. And that certainly, even before they revealed that she was drinking, I was feeling that like these sessions are affected by something. Yeah, It's like this isn't right. It's not, again, I was still happy to have those scenes back. For the most part, I found them, Somewhat enjoyable at least, mm. but there was something not right. And then, okay, she's been drinking as well. This obviously affects her ability to to do to play her role. Mm. I guess while it might be purposeful to to for things to be stagnant, mm-hmm. doesn't make for a great or engaging season of television though. No. And that's the problem. It's like even if that's meaningful, mm. I as a viewer am left going, huh? Yeah, particularly in the context if you think about like this show only existing with with season one and season two, watching mm-hmm. it week to week, and you don't know that there's going to be a million other seasons that are apparently incredible. So if this was just your season two, no guarantee of a season three or you know what's to come. Yeah, I'd be. I think I'd be kind of shocked and disappointed at um, how slow mm. season two is and how. Little progress it feels like we're making as the weeks would be going by. How do you feel about Tony this season? What did you learn about Tony this season compared to last season? Mm. Well, I think last season we really spoke about um, while Tony existed in this dark space, which is the mob, the mafia, Mm -hmm. um, he really underneath it all was quite a sensitive person. There was a lot of light there. I think this season we are seeing that perhaps there's not as much light as we thought. One of my first notes early mm. on, like episode one, was like Tony seems more sinister somehow this season. Yeah. There's a point where he grabs Dr. Melfi, I think, mm. it, outside of one of the therapy sessions, one of the early episodes. Yeah, the diner. Uh, yeah, and I was mm. just like, oh, that that felt like a different boundary pushed through that Tony mm. wouldn't had normally done. It was different. Yeah, I think now that he is the boss mm-hmm. um, unquestioningly um, that he, yeah, he's taken a turn. He's settling into, I think, his heritage. There's less pushback emotionally from him. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think, because he isn't having those um, self-reflect 
self-reflections, those moments with Melfi where he can pause and think about actions and how they might be affecting those around him, not only himself. Um, but, yeah, I think we're seeing him for not falling in love but embracing being the boss, making the decisions and see how comfortable he is in that role. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking to see because now we're really kind of having a look at the consequences for others. So we see um, his friend and the father of Meadow's friend. T-1000. Yes, T-1000. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. T-1000, <laughs> owner of T-1000 Sporting Goods. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we're kind of blatantly really having to see, like, you know, you might have sympathised genuinely with Tony in season one, but now let's see the consequences of that sympathy, that the, sure. that the allowances that we as an audience have given him. And, yeah, we're kind of perhaps sitting in that quite a bit this season, which is an interesting turn. The, the very, very end of the season is that montage, which I appreciated, which is the happy family taking their photo at mm. Meadow's graduation ceremony, cut to everyone else. everyone else's devastation. <laughs> yeah. So these people can just live in a what seems to McMansion. be an untouchable yeah. lifestyle, even yeah. as he's been caught out. He seems, everyone seems remarkably confident that it's not going to affect him in the long run. Mm-hmm. Like he went and he's like, I'll be back this evening, Meadow. And he was back that mm-hmm. evening. That wasn't a lie. He was back yeah. and there for the graduation as he was meant to be. And that that is certainly a perspective I like. And if that is where the show is going, it's going to be dealing with what it means to what his occupation, quote unquote, mm. does to everybody else as he sits here in Melfi's office justifying, you know, his heritage, why sort of organized crime started the way it does mm-hmm. within the Italian American community, what they were getting because they weren't getting it from other places. But now at this point in time, what that really means. I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. This season is interesting in how we're looking at the consequences or the perceived consequences of actions and how everyone talks themselves out of those consequences in Mm. the way, you know, we've got the religious aspect like, oh, well, technically I wouldn't go to hell because God understands that we're soldiers and so, you know, it's just what we do and all this kind of – and was it Paulie who – Gives I, I get them confused. Who gives all the money to the church? He's like, well, I should not be in that any trouble. Poorly, yeah, because yeah, I've the one who's given- scared because of the vision that Christopher had when he was went yeah. to hell or whatever. Yeah. That minute he was dead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The way th- and you know Tony's obviously talking to Melfi about his situation. Yeah, just like they understand their actions, they understand the basic com- concept of right and wrong, but there's always a way around it, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of. Yeah, I guess looking at that this season and watching these people, the mental acrobatics to and spiritual acrobatics to justify the way that they choose to live their lives. I do. I guess I appreciate it's on one hand, it's subtle. On another hand, it's not. Yes. Right. It's like I appreciate that it doesn't have to be bombastic to to delve into themes of like, yeah, how the, the moral ambiguities, the murkiness mm. of it, the way they justify their actions, that rage is just uh, a cover for sorrow and all these sorts of things. I guess 
the problem comes when it's happening over 13 hour long episodes and otherwise <laughs> it doesn't feel like things are moving all that much. Yeah. It's like, I think a lot of this stuff can happen in one or two episodes and then we can move on. Mm. And it's hard to justify this entire season being what it is, I guess. Mm. I'm trying to think, let's just step out of the thematic stuff for a second and look at the plot. What happened this season? Like, what happened? Uh, Pussy comes back. Mm-hmm. We know very early on, I think immediately almost, that he is an informant now for the FBI. Mm. And then by the end of the season, Tony kills him, which obviously was difficult for him and a, and a big move. And mm-hmm. he was having fever dreams about this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and yet even then, it was like he it came to him in a dream. It's like, yeah, there's this thing niggling in the back of your head. Now you're going to have an excuse to go and find the wire in his bedroom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now you're going to kill him. And it's like, okay, but Pussy disappeared towards the end of season one. He came back just to be killed at the end. I don't know. I was kind of left going eh, about that. What if, what if, mm-hmm. for instance, the guy they killed last season wasn't actually the, the mole and it was Pussy the entire time and they had some moral... Like, ambiguity, but now he's just, like, he killed the last guy and he's killed Pussy, and it's, like, both times he was right. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot, like, of moral... Apart from it being his friend, of which he has a very deep and long connection mm. with. They've been friends since they were children. Their father, their, their dads were both, you know, the leaders of this, quote-unquote, oh, capital F families, let's mm-hmm. say. Um... But I don't know. I just didn't feel all that pushed by that. It took an entire season to get there, watching Pussy, like, have these delusions of being part of the FBI or a yeah. in like informant sort of thing. I, I yeah, I think didn't grab me. When remembering um, what happens in season one, it's more impactful, I think, but I, it's been a long time since we've watched season one. Sure. And so I had to really remind myself what exactly happened one with Pussy in season one, where, where we left off, what the, those emotional connections were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then – you know, I had to kind of go back a few times to look at moments throughout the season of Tony really recognising, not consciously, but subconsciously something is off mm-hmm. with his relationship with Pussy. Um, so, yeah, I think I you see what they're doing and I understand why it's emotionally impactful and all of that kind of thing. But I think this is a case of we've seen – this kind of thing, this story play out much smoother in shows later on. I mm-hmm. think this is kind of a show weaving things in subtly throughout the season, um, taking us on a bit of a longer journey, but it can feel clunky. It can feel not quite as realised or as polished as we expect now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I totally a- agree with you. It it wasn't as satisfying as I thought that moment should be considering how important pussy is. Um, and, it, yeah, it took all season to kind of come to a conclusion that we could have come towards the end of season one if they wanted to do that. Can I have a criticism even of the way that the pussy's death was handled mm. in terms of putting on the boat and having Tony already sick and then having Sylve, like, seemingly affected by the the being on the boat as well. Mm. And it was hard to gauge whether the show was trying to tell me that like they're having a hard time of this or whether they legitimately were just seasick. Oh no, like, I thought it was quite obvious that um Sylve was having a hard time. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I I thought it just made things murkier. Why not just have them why put why do that? Why have the out or the excuse of having it on the boat? Why not just have them 
have this being a hard time. <laughs> I kind of would just like to have seen that play out. Yeah, no, it should I, be, I don't it should agree be, with it that. It should be, I don't know, it should have felt more to me. Mm. Yeah, no, I I liked, because their whole thing is obviously that bravado, that machismo that they feel so connected to and feel sure. so important. Um to just have the excuse of like, oh, no, it's the boat. When yep. clearly, I mean, it was very clear to me that it no. was emotional. Yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of other elements this season, mm. we haven't even mentioned Janice, mm-hmm. the sisters' inclusion, mm-hmm. and then Richie as mm-hmm. well. How do you feel about these two characters' inclusion this season? Uh, well, the way you preface that, telling you didn't see a lot of purpose for them. Just in terms of... I don't think it is – it's not like there's not stuff to talk about there, mm. but I came away pretty unsatisfied with what we got from them, I guess. Yeah, no, I I quite enjoyed what we got from them. I enjoyed Richie as a foil for Tony. Well, I found it annoying and frustrating. Um, I thought it was – I found Richie quite terrifying mm. and that was an interesting element to add to – Tony's gang, um, this kind of wild card that was so entrenched and that he really was struggling to figure out how to navigate this guy who's now attached to his both capital F and lowercase f mm. families. Um, so that was interesting. And I, well, let's, let's, I you go on. also read on the internet that people found Janice really annoying which I am very easily annoyed by characters. I didn't find her annoying. Remember, that's what everyone thought about Skylar as well. Yeah, I was interested by Janice and I love seeing just a different version of Tony. Now, that yeah, that side of things with Janice I did enjoy mm. in terms of this is like another, yeah, another result of being a child of that family Livia. and those parents yeah, and up. like a different form of manipulation mm. and... Um, and yeah, yeah, definitely got some Livia influences in there and probably their dad as well, even though we've mm-hmm. never really met Johnny. We've just talked about Johnny. Mm. Um, and they're, the, the way they play off each other. Although at some point I get, I do get a little bit annoyed that Tony every, he can never not just be angry. <laughs> and like, I know that's his whole thing, right? Mm. Every conversation ends with him being a smart ass to everybody. Yeah. It's like, I'd love it if just once he didn't do that. <laughs> There was just another layer to Tony I th- in the I conversation. I think he'd love it if he didn't do that as well. Yeah. As particularly yeah. with someone he's really familiar with, like his sister. He could be... I mean, he can't be. I understand this is what it's about. It's about mm. this, like, bravado that's on top of the vulnerability and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, man, just a sneak of it here and there could be could be satisfying sometimes. But I digress. The Richie side of things, I disagree with. Mm. I found Richie because it was like... It was felt like... I was waiting for something to come of this. Mm. This He's introduced as being a loose cannon immediately. He's got out of jail. He wants his piece of the action. He's ha- complaining with Tony. Threat, 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 dead. That's what I really like. I really like that version of like, so yeah, we're building up. And so I'm feeling the tension as we're going on. I think Richie is really important for this season for that tension. You know, we've got moves trying to be made with Junior and all this stuff. And then eventually that falls flat. So then, you know, there's going to be some sort of, altercation, some sort of war breaking out, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm expecting that. And when he punches her in the face and mm. she just comes back and shoots him and it is resolved in that way that I did not expect. Neither I was like, fuck. It like it's delighted me in like this sickening way. I'm like, fuck. Okay, you got me. You fucking got me. I didn't see that coming. 
I, I liked it. I like that moment. Mm-hmm. But then everything, as often happens in the show, mm. is very neatly resolved. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it doesn't seem to drop ever. But I think it will. I hope so. Yeah. But I think like that's the world that, you know, Tony lives in is that and we see that just keeps getting the, away with it in the it's, episode where he's like oh where you know the the witness comes forward and he's like oh fuck so he has that fear and we see it it's palpable in in those moments with Tony's like fuck all right so I've got to plan all these things and he lives in this world of like at any moment something could happen mm-hmm. the other shoe could drop um and so I I like when we can feel that in a season like oh okay I can see how in the future that's gonna fuck fuck him up I can see how that in the future is gonna fuck him up and it's only by the fucking skin of his teeth sometimes or sometimes because he's, you know, a professional at what he does, he can get away f- with it. But see, both he and I think me, the audience, mm. feel, oh, this could fuck up at any moment. This could f- fuck up at any moment, which I quite enjoy that feeling. Okay. In, the, in, in this instance, right, mm. we've just had Rich is like making a move on him. Junior was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Junior's gone. Actually, you know what? You're a loose cannon. I'm with Tony. You're a loser. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, Junior's come back to Tony's side. Mm-hmm. Rich is on his own. Rich is going to do something nuts. He's going to do something to upset the status quo. Mm. Make it difficult for Tony finally. Mm-hmm. Janice kills him in a, in a satisfying moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then Tony comes over, makes all go away, and he doesn't even know really how much of it. He had been planning to get Sylv to kill him. Mm. And that doesn't even like... It's just... there's. It's almost like the plot resolved for him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it's not even like sometimes Tony can make things go away and that's fine. Mm. But this was resolved without anything from him whatsoever. Yeah. I kind it of found that amusing. Him. Yeah. Mm. I didn't I didn't find it unsatisfying that it ended that way. Yeah. I don't know. I just and then I'm kind of left going I don't what need was a, the point of Rich in general yeah. that whole season? Like he came in to be a to be a threat. The point that, was the tension. The point was like, oh no, something's He's going to fuck up something. But He's gonna- only I feel that tension. Mm. Tony never once. That's not true. That when? When do you feel the tension from Richie? Well, he knows that Richie is a fucking loose cannon, is going to fuck up his shit. Like with um, the it, selling it, drugs on the th- on oh, the side. Like sure. he feel like Richie is a foil for him. It's a stressor for him and he doesn't know how to resolve it. He's now part of his family and he's like, you know, how, how am I going to balance this whole thing? I'm not sure I agree with that, but maybe mm. you can cite, maybe you, you've got something I've missed here. I don't think he ever did feel like to me that Tony didn't know how to deal with Rich. He felt pretty in control the entire time. He never really felt, it's not until he hears from Junior that Rich is going to make a move against him, which then nothing ever comes of that because a scene later, mm. Rich is dead. I think time and time again, he like puts a stopper in front of Rich. Sure. And Rich continues to like, fucking like not listen to him as the boss but then there's like things like he gets the jacket from richie Mm -hmm. and then he just gives it away Mm. and richie's upset but tony never feels any of that yeah no i don't think tony needs to feel everything coming from rich i just i didn't feel like yes he's a loose cannon Mm. again it's established early on he keeps being a loose cannon all the way through Mm -hmm. tony continues to deal with it it just never felt like it was being tony was being pushed by more things by other things Mm. (laughs) more than richie and richie was just I don't know. I was reading a thing, someone saying he's the best villain in the show. And I'm like, if he's the best villain in the show, <laughs> phew, okay. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> think, I influence. didn't need a Breaking Bad ending where he f- he figures out some sort of way to get out of that specific situation. Sure, sure. I think. And I also think it speaks to what you're saying is that 
Richie isn't the big bad of the season. No. I think Tony, as oh, Tony it's, it's, the, the, it's the cliche always, like, you're your own worst. It's literally yeah. set in the show. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he needs to be the big final moment of, like, Tony figures out a way to get rid of Richie. True. Mm. But, again, my, my point is, so is then Richie only there to be a red herring, to be a misdirect? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's a... 13 episode misdirects. But I, I'm sure if you didn't enjoy the journey along the way, I enjoyed what R- Richie was doing along the way. I guess I just look back at season one and mm. like the Lydia stuff fascinated me in terms of like the reveal, the, the ultimate re- uh, thing we're uh, coming. Livia? Livia, sorry. Yeah. The ultimate, see, we didn't see her much this season, so I've got her name. Well, the woman was sick. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. No, I mean the actress was sick. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, why is he laughing at that? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, that's why Yeah, she wasn't in it as much. All of a sudden, a lot makes sense yeah. to me, right? So that's very important to know. Mm. Um, I'm actually just digesting <laughs> that information because it felt like a massive ball was dropped mm. in terms of that was what season one was about. Mm-hmm. It was Utterly fascinating to get to the point where she was going to call a hit, basically, on her yeah. own son. That intention and dynamic is massive. And I understood all season Tony putting that wall between them, but yeah, I didn't understand the real world reasons why. Mm-hmm. And have such a few suddenly some of the weaknesses together. of the season make a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because... That Richie never, ever, ever got close to being anywhere near as interesting. No. On Because the thing, it's like... I don't need it to be a situation where Tony figures out how to get away from Lydia in a Breaking Bad situation. He got away by the skin of his teeth last mm, time. Yeah. But it was just the fact that Lydia was- Livia. Livia, sorry, Livia, was having a- was willing to go to that length that yeah. was fascinating. That And then they have that complicated mother's mm. relationship. Well, yeah, that's so always the I just, case, There was no complicated relationship between they, Richie well, and Tony no, for me. Well, no, there doesn't have that emotional complexity. So, it's no. not going to be as interesting, which exactly. is fair. And I think, yeah, Livia is such- an important dynamic um, in the show. It's, I mean, she is yeah. the root of his issues, um, his total incapacity to hold on to like any emotion other than anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so exploring that is always going to be much more fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I that's totally valid. Oh, okay. I feel like a dummy that I've just come to realise that. Uh- when did you know that? Um, I was reading an article yesterday about it, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it explains a lot about the sort of the swerve we've taken mm, here. How yeah. do you find like Junior this season, for instance? Like his whole uh, home arrest mm-hmm. um, sort of I stuff. I think it was interesting as a, just a reflection of the next stage that we're at. So obviously... Mm-hmm. Tony's the big boss and, you know. His transition. Yeah, transition into that position Mm. and then his constant reflections about, you know, the good old days and seeing the good old days decay right before his eyes in the form of Junior and his mum. But, I mean, it felt like, and I guess this is probably the point that Junior was castrated. (laughs) Like he didn't didn't have the power um, anymore and so was probably – less of a threat, less of an interesting character. I enjoyed, I think the episode was called Home Arrest, mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of like their reflection of each other. Tony's sort of going through this like, I'm not going to say midlife crisis because that's cliche, but he's mm. going through a, his own crisis while uh, 
Junior is really trying to <laughs> figure out what his place is. He is no longer as capable as he once was. He is not the boss. Like going through his own sort of end of life crisis at the same time. Mm. That was a good episode, and it was a. Uh, I enjoyed what they were doing there, and even the moment where he comes to Tony at the end is like, "Listen, I'm with you, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> and like he wasn't. He you know he was definitely going to play the other side for a while, but. He, he knows could, how to yeah. play the game still mm-hmm. and and learning to understand what his role is. It made Go him less threatening, is, yeah. definitely, but it was a natural trans- transition for that character. Let's get to the small F family. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about Carmela this season? Last season, we talked about her storyline involving the priest. No mm-hmm. priest this season. No priest. Just a wallpaper man That's instead. Right. Uh, yeah, I think she's, you know... More and more coming to the realisation, oftentimes, you know, through her kids' mm. eyes, realising how much her life is compromised or made smaller by the fact that she is attached to Tony, how limiting her choices are mm-hmm. because of Tony. And also seeing the darkness in Carmela in while she's subconsciously kind of coming to terms with her place in the world and the choices she's made, refusing to allow anyone else out. She just, like, the woman who wants to divorce pussy, she's, like, brings five million reasons why that isn't possible, why mm-hmm. she can't do that. Really, it's just Carmela saying, well, if I'm stuck in this hellhole, oh, we all have to she's, be. She's justifying herself the same way that Tony justifies yeah. his actions. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, they're just, like... They're, yeah, from the same beast. Yeah, it, Carmela. Carmela's season, I thought, was well explored. I enjoyed her. It, it wasn't necessarily a whole departure from what we'd done last no. season, but I felt it was better handled this season mm. in terms of like um, watching her. I think there was a, a moment Tony says to her, "It's like religion is, you know, you become religious when it's most convenient yeah. to you." So when like Christopher's <laughs> in in hospital, she's mm. all of a sudden. You know, hyper religious, the good yep. Catholic woman. She's reading the Holy Holy Bible at mm-hmm. night. The moment that's resolved, she's reading memoirs, memoirs of a Geisha, mm-hmm. which <laughs> I quite like those little details as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seeing her struggle with her marriage with Tony, figuring out what she wants to do. She obviously doesn't want to be there. You know, being tempted once again by another man. Um, <laughs> coming to the reality, that's really difficult when you're married to Tony fucking Soprano. Yes. Um, using. You know the the same methods that Tony uses to really threaten that woman to write metal a letter and like all that aggressive True. side of her and yeah. re- like clearly she knows who she is when in those moments when she's doing that like she knows what being a soprano means yep. and what that can get for you. Yeah, I, the more I watch Carmela, and it's not a lot happening, mm. but the more I'm really invested in. I find her fascinating. Yeah, I, I really enjoy her as mm. a character and I kind of just wish there was a little bit more of it. But what we get, I, I really like. Mm. Um, sometimes it can feel like repeating again. Mm-hmm. But um, but generally, I've, I've enjoyed her storylines. Did you feel satisfied with sort of the resolution we got on where Carmela is at with her and Tony? We have... Well, there's a couple of scenes that happen, actually. There's the first time I remember there being a particularly shaky handheld scene. Mm. Which is the fight between Tony and Carmela, where he like pushes her onto the couch at one stage. Yeah, there's earlier in the season when the guy from Italy comes through and beats up um, the people at the, the brothel. That was handheld as, well. as well. Sure, yeah. 
But yeah, I, it was like it was a noticeable shift in mm. like how they were shooting things. But then, particularly the, the the scene with the two of them sitting either end of the couch, it was a very like beautifully framed sort of shot. Mm. And Carmela essentially, it's she's gone from all season feeling like she wants to escape to deciding that she's going to assert herself into a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. I wasn't one hundred percent sure we got there. By then, it felt like only an mm. episode or a couple of scenes earlier she was just going to push herself away. I wasn't really sure where all of a sudden she got the yeah. courage to just stand up and go. You know what? Yeah, I I'm mean, leaving it's, if- yeah, it's not so much. I don't know if courage is the right word because I feel mm. like she's always kind of had the ability to tell Tony to fuck off. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think it's more which about is something I like watching- too that she's not just like the scared housewife. Yeah, no, yeah. I think it's more about watching. Him with like the situation with the Guma um, at the forefront, like clearly before her eyes with her calling the house and Tony says to her, mm. like, you know, I'm trying to look after, I'm trying to do the right thing, like she's trying to kill herself. Her realising that um, that's how Tony treats that girl when, you know, he is threatened. Like you can threaten Tony in a way and like exert your power um, be like, this is what I want and need. And she's like, well, if you're doing that for her because you care about her, yeah, I can I can say, you know. Because Tony does, well, he's an asshole and a piece of shit. He does think of himself as like doing the right thing. That's right. Um, and so she's like, oh, well, all right. Well, if you don't give me this, then I guess I'm going to do that as well. Because he doesn't have a lot of power because like her wants to appear like, you know, the ultimate patriarch mm-hmm. or the ultimate husband or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and so I think she just kind of has a moment of realisation when she's like, oh, you're doing that for your guma. Fuck it, I'm going to Rome. Like, yeah, sure, why not? I, I, it made sense to me. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the moment made sense. I, kinda, mm. I don't know. I just felt like I was waiting for mm, some sort of epiphany or something like that to happen, but it did need to. Yeah. The, it and was still a satisfying conclusion show, for it. Yeah. I don't think we are going to have those moments. Mm. I think it is going to be like the slow kind of, yeah, drip, drip, drip. Yeah. Uh, how do you, what do you feel about them, how they feel about each other, Tony and Carmella? Is this just a, like, we've not seen their relationship start, right? We're mm. jumping in in the middle of this. Tony is fully invested in, yeah. you know, the mob. Who knows how long they've been married for? They've got yeah. two kids who are, of, you know, yeah, I think college they age. both and really grew up within the world or adjacent to the world. Mm. They both love the lie mm-hmm. and they both can live in the lie together. So they've found someone who isn't going to confront what's actually happening. So they can sit side by side in this absolute fantasy world that really doesn't exist at all of this marriage of this family, of all that kind of thing, um, of these justifications of terrible behaviour. Mm-hmm. So they they can do that together, um, which is what they think or what they, I guess, truly do want out of a partner. Mm-hmm. Neither of them want to be challenged. Um, or, yeah, like I think... They need to be challenged and I think sometimes they thirst for it, but they're both too scared to actually be challenged, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, so in that way, it's kind of this perfect marriage. But because of that, because they have to, they're, they're never allowed to be vulnerable with one another. Yeah. We see that when Tony's 
shitting his brains out that he he's like, you know, I don't want you to see me like this. And it made me go, what kind of marriage can you not be sick in front of the other person? Like that's insane. Um, but that, but he has to be the strong husband and all that kind of bullshit. So naturally resentment grows. And I think we're probably going to see that the decay caused by that. Is there love there? Yeah. I think like loyal, they, I guess are quite loyalty and love. And so I think they are truly loyal to one another. Mm. Um, mm. Not, not with monogamy. I was going to say, yeah. No, no. But Except like, for all that. But like know. they are each other's person. Sure. Um, that is like the foundation to, you know, their family and all of that kind of thing. So they are absolutely loyal to one another. Like Tony would never divorce Kamala. Like mm. he's no, he that's is the in thing. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like it's just it's not an option. It's not an option. It's just not an option. Um, so I think through that loyalty, there is love there mm-hmm. and respect there, and you know that a marriage is important. So in that aspect, yes. But can you have what I consider to be love without vulnerability? And not so much. Is there a breaking point? And what does that look like? Do you think? I think there's probably a breaking point, but that's not to say that would be the end of the relationship. I think breaking point in the term, in the sense of the fractures are so apparent um, that like one of those marriages where they sleep in the same bed, but haven't spoken in 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, So it it could never go the same way as like pussy's wife who is so like, I, I, trying to remember i think she was fond of pretty fond mm. of him once upon a time but it's just that point now it's like yeah. she is he completely yeah. ignores her i mean can you imagine carmella not caring about what the neighborhood is saying about her i like can she's from a broken home which she loved to say <clears> to that <throat> poor pussy's wife oh your kid's gonna be from a broken home i could imagine a time when meadow and aj have both moved out when mm. it's just her and tony in the house where something snaps when she i think she wants to be the leader of that community I think she really enjoys that position. Sure. I can't imagine her giving it up. Leaving, like I fleeing. can't imagine Tony giving it up. I yep. mean, maybe I'm wrong and maybe like things will develop and her position will change. But the Carmella I know in season two. As I, much as she I, has to play I the... I think she loves being a soprano. I sure. think she loves people looking up to her. I think, yeah, she's a pillar of the community. Mm. She's an example to everyone. It's all a fucking lie, but she loves it. Yeah. How do we feel about the kids this season, Meadow and AJ? Mm, I don't know. I don't really care about them all that much. Did you feel I, like you were more connected to them last season? I definitely thought I, I feel like it's been a long time since we watched yeah, it. I feel like I say. liked Meadow more last season. We had that whole episode, the college episode mm. and stuff. We spent a lot of time with her dad then. And this yeah. season they seem to come in and out, have a conversation in the kitchen, leave, yeah. do that a few times this season. Yeah, maybe. Like you said, it's hard to remember. I think I, I like the... Um, dynamic I think still between and we don't get a lot of it between Meadow and Tony mm-hmm. is that she knows what's up mm-hmm. she knows who her dad is and she's in she's more like, than one level yes. she knows yeah. who her dad is and yeah. she's got and some of those traits probably too. has confronted that in the most healthy way that anyone in, in the family she's like she sees it she understands what the consequences are mm. she's not in denial like her mum um yeah, I think Meadow seems the most healthy and therefore um, able to see 
Tony, her dad, maybe a little clearer mm. than the rest. And she is, you know, she expresses her disappointment when she's disappointed. Um, but also, yeah, tells her mum, like, if people don't accept who my dad is, I've accepted it, they can fuck off. Mm. Um, AJ, it's always hard when you've got, like, the whiny teenager, isn't it? Like, you know, it's a real I mean, dawn I, there, there was an episode in there where I was like, I remember this face. Yeah, I've been right. here. Oh, I recognise it. It doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> no. Um, I think AJ is good for it. Um, I guess he's meant to be a bit of comic relief um, here and there. He's also helps drive the plots at points to give information to people that need it to make other decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't have a great sense of who they are or wanting to really know who they are. I'm not super interested, I guess. You don't think they're... So if they invested more in those characters going forward as Meadow no, goes to No, I'm not saying college, I want that. You don't want that? No, I'm not really. I don't really. I'm not that interested. Would you be disappointed if that happened? No, if okay. it's done well. I'm just saying like I'm on the fence with them. I'm not like, I'm not disappointed with what we get. I don't want more. I don't want less. I'm like, whatever. Oh, okay, it. sure, sure, yeah. sure. Because I definitely, I I sort of felt like, oh, I kind of feel like this is a missed opportunity. Again, I thought last season my impression was this is a family drama. Mm. And there was a little bit less of that this season. Mm-hmm. The what was there was pretty basic. Meadows mm. acting up. You know, and Carmela doesn't want her to go to college, to a college that's too far away. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's whatever. Yeah. What about the other characters? The Tony's crew, uh, Christopher in particular, who has sort of a few uh, focus episodes this mm. season before he gets shot mm-hmm. and then sort of just disappears in the background for a while. Yeah. Uh, I don't find Christopher as interesting as the show perhaps wants me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it, yeah, I find it weird when we go on these kind of outside the main storylines, these little adventures with Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fine. Like, they're not bad, but they're certainly less interesting to me. His, li- his little Hollywood adventures, yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. But, yes, I agree with you. They seem to be really interested in Christopher, and I'm not that interested yeah. in Christopher at this stage. Though I'm interested now he's been sort of stepped up into... Pussy's role this season. He's been yeah. given his badge, I think is what, uh, or his button, um, as Tony says to him in the last episode. I can't remember. But yeah, no, I think the more time we spend with him in the world first is probably good. And then if they want to take him out again, sure. But I think I just need to spend more time with him when he's around people that I actually care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And even just thinking now, there was like the, all this talk about like becoming an act or, you know, getting involved in acting mm. and screenwriting and, um, yeah, just him making that choice to like, are you in or are you out? Yeah. That was satisfying mm-hmm. enough. And just to make sure we did, especially now that he is a dead character, Pussy's return, him uh, bit working with the informant all season mm. and his ultimate demise. Did you get much out of that storyline? Do you feel for Pussy? Do you? Yeah, I, I felt bad for him, particularly when he's crying in the toilet after he's had to wear the wire. Mm. I've, yeah, it was really upsetting to watch. One, he has the conversation with AJ Mm -hmm. about what his relationship with Tony means. Um, I really like that scene. Yeah, which was lovely. And then to see him just crying in the bathroom Mm -hmm. was really, really heartbreaking. Yeah, I felt bad for the guy. You could see how lost he was. Totally. Um, and you can see that in the desperation of him was like, oh, well, maybe I can fit into the FBI now. Like he, the guy is so fucking lost. He's got no idea what's happening around him to the point where he kind of 
can't even absorb the information that his wife might have cancer. Yeah, like he's yeah. so tapped out of his own life because he's not a part of it. He's, you know, he's living on the fringe of he his own fucking existence. He's on the outside existence. of yeah. every single part of his life, yeah. So it's it's really fucking sad and I think that the, that episode in particular it was really important to have those two moments side by side to really drive home how heartbreaking um, that end is for pussy. I did it's think, obviously not going to end well. well I was going to say, it doesn't. I did think it was a little on the nose when his house was next to a cemetery and there were <laughs> multiple shots of him with a cemetery <laughs> in the background. Like, I get it, guys. He's going to die this season. I got mm-hmm, it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, just watching the slow decline of pussy towards the very end when he gets shot by his bros. Did it all track for you? Because there were points where it's like, Yes, he sort of has this breakdown with AJ in the bathroom Mm. and then he's like, I'm all in, Tony's my friend, I'm just going to feed the FBI nothing, I'm going to shoot a guy with Tony, Mm. like I am going to be there and do that, oh, you know what, he didn't promote me, I'm going back on that and now I'm going to help the FBI and my aim is to become some professional informant or like I'm going to give seminars on how to be a... Mm -hmm. A criminal informant, I see. It CI? does CI. track, it, but it also feels clunky. Clunky was the word in, I was thinking. In the transition. From episode to episode, mm. it seemed to change a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah. where's like, the Upon reflection, it feels right, and I understand what's happening. During the process of watching it, yeah. it feels a little, oh, what? Oh, okay, that's a sharp turn. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can see what they're doing. Once again, it's kind of those things where it's like, I see what they're doing, but they haven't quite, yeah, got the transitions between that fluidity that we have come to expect from that kind of storyline now. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Some side notes. John Favreau's a good sport. He is. He was happy to, like, have a dig at himself. Yep. I appreciate that. And Me I too. think I understand now... Uh, why I like John Favreau as a guy. He's not, you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. I always appreciate when someone can do that. The ones who take themselves too seriously are the ones to look out for, I think. Mm. Uh, Robert Patrick, as we said, T-1000 was in this season, obviously. Alicia Witt, who played Amy Sapphire, the redhead in the mm. Hollywood episode. She's Zelda from the latest season of Orange is the New Black. It was like, why do I know you? You know, Piper's... G- Spoilers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, I blacked that season out, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you blacked that season out. Mm. I was, it was just interesting because I've I've found that actress 20 years later. I'm going back, who is this? Because I remember she oh, was yeah. in a bunch of stuff when we were younger. And I guess it just cemented in my brain when I was younger. There's something about the way she talks that sure. really bothers me. And I don't know what it is. And it's not her fault. And I, I it's not tangible. It's stupid. But something about just the something way about that she it. talks. It's not you. That, yeah, really, I can't. I, d- I don't like her <laughs> and it bothers me because there's no reason not to. Agree yeah. to disagree. Uh, Carla from Scrubs, a.k.a. Judy Reyes, mm-hmm. uh, is Paulie's girlfriend this season as well. Um, Christopher keeping his scripts on multiple floppy drives made me Hilarious. really laugh as well. Mm-hmm. Just like, why don't you save it to the laptop, buddy? I know there's probably not like maybe one and a half gig of storage on there at most, but there's enough for your Word document, okay? Oh, I, I saw a funny little thing on the on the internet about floppy disks. It was like um, a school teacher brought one in to like mm-hmm. a bunch of high school students. They're like, does anyone know what this is? And a student put their hand up like, oh my God, you 3D printed the save icon, which made me laugh. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, there was no Nintendo 64 this season. However, no. there was a Sega Dreamcast mm-hmm. or Sega Dreamcast. Yeah. I got to tell you, 
I'm a little bit annoyed with you, AJ. Mm. You didn't turn off the console when you were told to go you to bed. You just turned the TV off. You just turned off. the TV off. That yeah. game is still yeah, running. Yeah, me too. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, I had that thought as well. Um, when Dr. Melfi is, she's having dinner with her son mm. um, and like she has that altercation with the person next to her and the person like says, you, you need to leave now. Mm. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Maybe this says something about me. Once a re- Obviously, she's in the wrong, like, you know, done the wrong thing. Once someone told me to leave the restaurant and is, like, le- making me leave, I'm probably not going to pay. <laughs> when they, like, yeah. she puts the money down, I'm like, why'd you do that? Yeah. They, they're telling you to leave. <laughs> you didn't even finish your meal. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pokemon cards made me really <laughs> Pokemon, happy. yeah. I also, it was interesting, they mentioned in one of the early episodes that they someone had seen Analyze This. Yeah. Which, the timing of it, I'm not sure if everyone's aware that movie, also about a mobster in mm. therapy, came out in March five on March five of nineteen ninety nine. Sopranos season one premiered on the tenth of January nineteen ninety nine. Mm. There was literally two months yeah. between, and seemingly very similar premise, though very different, obviously in tone. Um, what did one prick say to the other prick? AJ went to tell that joke at dinner table, and then uh, Carmela stops him. Do you have the punchline? I have the punchline. Oh line. yeah, okay. What is it? Uh, Definitely explicit. Nothing. They were both stuck, stuck up cunts. Good joke. <laughs> Excellent joke. Uh, definitely glad you didn't finish that, AJ. You would have got in big trouble if you mm, finished that at the dinner true. table. Should we discuss, mm. and this is lit, this is question I'm posing to you before we even discuss it. Okay. The story that Christopher tells to John Favreau at the diner about what I believe was an intersex person. Um... I'm not sure if it was, they were intersex or trans. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. And it wasn't, yeah, um, explicitly told. Um, no, because there was no subtlety or was like... no discourse about that at the time in mainstream not. media. No, no, no. Um, oh, it's very much of the time and very totally. offensive now. Absolutely. A horrifying story. Horrifying story. Horrifying story, story. yeah. Mm. But I don't think we need to discuss it because it's... Awful. It is awful. Yeah. And is is just, as you said, it is of the time. It's hard to sit here for the lens 20 years later, mm. but I will acknowledge, awful story. Awful story. Definitely fits with the era and with the person that Christopher is and the way he tells yeah. that story Things and like that this, community yeah, around it. Yeah. But, There's oh. so much like homophobia and- Oh, constantly. Yeah, just- And racism. And racism, racism and, and all that stuff, which is true to- the people totally. and the time and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's terrible and I'm no doubt- Fucking devastating for some people to hear that story. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? My least favourite was episode two, actually. Do mm-hmm. not resuscitate. Um, the construction site protest was a storyline that didn't particularly spark any interest mm-hmm. in me. Um, it didn't hold my attention at all. In fact, I found myself checking Twitter quite a lot because uh, I was very bored with that. This is the episode where Liam walked away from the show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and it's also before Richie's enter the, enters the scene, which for me was pretty interesting throughout the season. So I was happy when Richie was around and before he got there, I was pretty bored. My least favorite episode was episode one mm-hmm. for very similar reasons. Mm. It was, I mean, it was a lot of table setting. It was a lot of about a year has passed, or at least that's what the montage suggests. Uh, this is where we're at. Pussy's back. Um, Dr. Melfi's not seeing Tony. Cool. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like my line at the end of that was meh. I was just at the end yeah. of that episode feeling like, okay, that's fair. What do you? What else you got for me? Sort yeah. of thing. 
So I'm going to give that to episode one, which was called Guy Walks Into a Psychiatrist's Office. Oh, because he was seeing the other psychiatrist at that point. That's right. Um, what about your favorite episode? My favorite episode was really episode 12. Um, mm. So that's when we see that Tony does have a heart, but also that his sympathy is very limited. When he, see with his guma, he throws her, the therapist being like, you know, deal with your emotions. But also at the end, he's just like, sends his mate with some money being like, just get out of my life. We have Carmela having to deal with Tony being a total fuckwit. And I love the line. You are putting me in a position where I feel sorry for a whore who fucks you, <laughs> which is great. Um, I also really enjoyed the payoff of seeing Janice, Janice's storyline come to a conclusion. Um, the little hints that we get or the, the moments we get throughout the season of her there is a clearly there. being a soprano, clearly mm. being a soprano, but... Um, pretending like she isn't um, and then seeing that, bam, oh, no, she's got that switch from her papa. Like, she's manipulative like her mum but has the violent streak like her dad. There was a line early on, I can't remember what episode, I can barely even remember, I can't remember the context, mm. but she talks about potentially pushing Livia down the stairs or something yeah. like that. And I remember at that time going, oh, that's yep. dark. And we have Junior saying, like, you know, don't worry about Tony, Janice is the one that you've really got to fucking watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I... And I enjoyed that ending of that unexpected ending i was like oh you got me show which i enjoyed which i know you didn't but yeah did we did we give that enough of a discussion the relationship between janice and rich richie that sort of finding each other they were sweethearts once upon a time he Mm. went away there she's sort of rediscovered herself overseas apparently she comes back what's the name she's using pavardi no that's from that's Is that right? No, I think it's something like that yeah. though, yeah. But mm. she reverts back to Janice pretty early on. Yeah. Their fetishistic sort of um, sex life mm-hmm. where he's got the gun to her head. Um, yeah, I think she obviously left that world to kind of forget who she was, mm. um, to no longer associate with that. And I think, you know, we see throughout the season that she – is just as good as Tony's compartmentalizing mm-hmm. aspects of herself or things she's experiencing, um, which I really enjoyed seeing hints of that. I also thought, yeah, the the sex with the gun is, you know, clearly showing that she is great at playing a role. And so being, you know, that submissive wife or, you know, uh, uh, Carmela Light, if you will, kind sure. of doing that kind of thing, she can fit in if she see some advantage to doing that. So she she sees the advantage in being the good daughter. She gets a house and all mm-hmm. these things. She sees an advantage of attaching herself to Richie, who's, you know, part of the Capital F family, um, perhaps someone she can push to further his career, mm-hmm. have more power. But in order to do that, if she needs to pretend to be submissive, then she will. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's very good at manipulating and checking out the scene and adjusting accordingly. She's not totally as um, smooth or adept at that as perhaps Tony can be with manipulation, but she's certainly got the capacity for it. Um, so, yeah, that's why I really enjoyed Janice. I, yeah, I, I couldn't understand as much of the criticism as she received because I thought she was, yeah, a pretty interesting character. Not a subtle character. No. But I found her interesting as just like another side of the coin. Yeah. Um. Would you like to see Janice return? I would, yeah. Do you think she will return? I think so. I'd be surprised if she didn't, I yeah. think. Uh, 
I'm going to give my favorite episode to episode 13, Funhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, uh, like, there's a few different reasons. Tony being sick is inherently fun, apparently. Um, the Twin Peaks-esque, like, fever dreams mm. are their own sort of strange. And it's fun just to see the show stylistically doing something a little bit different mm. as well. It's not like it hasn't played with dreams before in the past, but they got a little bit, like, yeah. more weird and very Lynchian as well. And I was enjoying that for what it was. Um, not subtle at all, but I enjoyed it. Mm. And then, obviously, the resolution with Pussy... I had my criticisms of how some of the storylines took a while to get where they were going, but overall, definitely, I really enjoyed the actor. I should look him up who played Pussy's performance in that mm. scene in particular. Mm-hmm. I thought he's sort of like trying to play it cool. He was definitely had a sense of dread. Then when that shoe drops, having to deal with mm. that, his vulnerability sort of like, um, and you can sense their history. Um, and then finally, that montage at the end as well, sort of, making you reflect back on the entire season on what it means to be, to live in this castle, as you said, to be untouchable, Mm. but the devastation it leaves in their wake and hopefully a little bit of a sign of where we're going to go with things. Do you think we're going to see, do you think we're going to run with the idea of um, the FBI being after Tony? Now they've, it Mm. sounds like he's going to get out of this easy, but maybe that's a bit of a. um, Yeah. I think there's always going to be, that threat of prosecution um, and him trying to work around that. I, I like, I think was it genius said, you know, the FBI are a business. They want to return. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair to say. We'll see that continues that they want, they don't want to be um, not outgunned, but yeah, they don't want to be made a fool of. Yeah. By they need Tony to be effective to some degree. Yeah, they yeah. need to. Yeah. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns. We've sort of started already. Do you have any particular predictions, hopes, concerns going into season three? I hope season three um, kind of gets the ball rolling a little quicker. Mm. Um, and I think we're kind of set up for that to happen. We can start afresh. We're dealing – most of this season's dealing with things that kind of happened in season one. Mm-hmm. And now we can kind of start on a, a, a new journey, a new story for season three, which will be cool, hopefully – uh, but beyond that, I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly where we're going. I'm sure the destruction, the destruction around Tony will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, it will continue to affect his relationships with his family and his mental health. I'm hoping we'll have um, a Melfi scene at least once an episode. Mm. Would be nice. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. What about you? I kind of would. I hope that the hint of the FBI getting involved might be more of an a looming threat over the entire of the next season. Something like mm. that. It'd be interesting to see like a situation where the FBI are heavily involved, they're constantly under investigation. It's a constant interruption of his home life mm. and what effect that has on Tony Camella. Tony Camella. You talk about how they have this partnership. They've mm. sort of like there's this um they work together in sort of as partners to uphold this fantasy, right? Mm. And Carmela's place in the community and so on and so forth. So if there's this constant scrutiny, if mm. there's like there's these constant interruptions, of this the d- right, then mm. what happens to them? Yeah. And that I would really like to see. Yeah. Plus Meadows going to college. What effect does that have on Car- Carmela? What effect does that have on AJ, mm. on his relationship with Tony and his mother? Those sorts of things are just just something to mix it up a little bit mm-hmm. so we can maybe find some new layers or some mm. new angles into these characters. Yeah. I think it'd be really good. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. It's not like 
like I had my criticisms about Richie. I don't need like another gang pressing in on the Sopranos territory or something like no. that. That's not the drama I need. No. I just want to see something change so that the the, the, the pressure internal machinations. Yeah, kind of, yeah. pressure's put on mm-hmm. so that we get some different interactions here. I did feel like a lot of what happened this season was just sort of similar to what we did last season. Wasn't necessarily pushing mm-hmm. things in a bigger uh, in a more or a different, more interesting direction for me. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, I can't say I know when we're going to do the Sopranos season three. We may get to it soon. We may mm-hmm. wait another year. It depends <laughs> on what comes up um, over the course of the next 12 months. We will see. Um, but I do want to thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. Mm-hmm. And if you have some thoughts, if you would like to express your opinion, particularly if you're a fan of the show, particularly if you were there early on, understand that we're approaching this and we understand our sort of um, perspective coming at this 20 years later. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this, what you agree with, what you don't disagree with. You can contact us uh, at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or via Twitter at huntingscast. You can find more of what we do via our website at uh, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself Roderick Gordes on Twitter at B Gordes, B G O R D E S. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymu, M A S K Y M O O. Next episode is a bit of a question mark at this stage. Mm-hmm. It will either be, hopefully, mm. The Good Place Season 4, mm-hmm. or it will be Bojack Horseman Season 6, Part 2, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the final episodes of that. It all depends on timing. Uh, it may be a situation where the episode comes out a day or two late. To make it work, both of those things release on the same. The last, I think it's apparently 90 minutes, is the season finale uh, or the series finale of The Good Place. Yeah. I don't know if that's a network thing with ads. That might be what that's counting. Mm. But that comes out on the 31st, or I think it's the 31st, the same day as Bojack Horseman's season drops. Mm. So it's going to be one of those two. Yeah. But it might be a little bit late. So apologies for timing if that's the case. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you in our next episode. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, we